And to hear these words from the book of Acts. And now I commend you to God and to the message of his grace. A message that is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or clothing. You know for yourselves that I work with my own hands to support myself and my companions. In all this, I have given you an example, that by such work we must support the me. Remembering the words of our Lord Jesus, for he himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. The word of God for the people of God. You have my permission today to do some invitational evangelism. If you want to text, call, email anyone who you know would love to be here to fill meals, seal them, and send them, please do that. We will all be grateful for it. The Apostle Paul is on his third missionary journey. Paul has been preaching in Troas, and when I say preaching, I mean preaching. Long sermons. During one of his sermons, a young man named Eutychus, he was sitting in a window, and he fell asleep, like some people do. And when he fell asleep, he fell from the window three stories to his death. Now, the good news is that Paul raised him from the dead, and Eutychus was okay. And then, after Paul raised him from the dead, Paul did what Paul did. He went back to preaching. Now, after his preaching mission, Paul walked from Troas to Asos, and then boarded a ship to Miletus. This is where we find ourselves in the scripture today. When Paul arrived at Miletus, he sent for the church elders from Ephesus. And when the elders arrived, Paul began reminding them all he had taught them, how he had been in ministry with them. Then he tells them that he's on his way to Jerusalem for the last time, probably. He will not see them again. And he reminds them that they are to be now the shepherds of the flock. He said, in everything I did, I showed you by this kind of hard work that we must help the weak. Remember the words of our Lord Jesus, who said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. And this is what I want us to concentrate on today, that last verse, blessing of giving. Now, to be sure, we've all heard this passage before. And when you look at this short verse, when you look at it literally and logically, it can feel like one of those pious verses in the Bible that make us feel warm and fuzzy inside the church, but sometimes it doesn't feel like it works in the real world. Or it may sound like a clever fundraising gimmick or scripture to give stewardship committees and finance committees um, the, um, uh, the compelling way for a church to fund this budget. Now, the Apostle Paul, however, might say that this scripture is much more than that. He may say that this scripture is much deeper than silver and much wider than gold. This passage is about the love of the generous God. It is about a God who created the world and gave the world for humankind to enjoy. It's about a generous God who gave salvation for us. For God so loved the world that he gave. 
So before we can ever consider being blessed by our giving, it stands the reason we must first experience what it means to receive. So as we consider the receivers of God's love, I have a question for you. What do you do when you're low on love? Do you try to conjure it up by sheer force of will as if there's within us some furnace of affection that, that lacks just one more piece of wood or just a little more coal? Does, um, do we poke it and stoke it with some kind of dull determination? What's a typical strategy for troubled relationships? Try harder? My spouse needs my forgiveness. I don't know how, but somehow I'm going to give it. I don't care how much it hurts. I'm going to be nice to that co-worker who just drives me crazy. I'm supposed to love my neighbor. Okay, even if I don't like him, I'm going to do it anyway. The pronoun I sounds out, doesn't it? I will. I can do. I, I will be. So with clenched teeth, we say that we're going to love if it kills us. And if we love this way, it just might. It seems that trying to will ourselves to love and to force ourselves to give may be beginning at the wrong place. Could it be that we're beginning with what we think we can do and what we think is best? Could it be that we're missing a step? What if the first step of loving and giving is not giving toward others but giving toward God? Could it be that the secret to loving and the blessing of giving is experiencing receiving? The only way we can give love, real love, deep love, authentic love, is first by receiving love. 1 John 4, 19 says, We love each other as a result of God loving us first. Do we want to be more loving? Do we want to be more giving? So let's begin by accepting our place as dearly loved children of God. We read in Ephesians, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children. Live a life just as Christ has loved us. Do we want to learn to forgive? Then consider how we've been forgiven. We hear in Ephesians, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave us. Maybe we need more patience. I find myself there a lot. We hear in the scriptures, the Lord isn't slow to keep his promise, as some think of slowness, but he is patient toward us not wanting any of us to perish, but to change our hearts and our lives. Is generosity a difficult virtue for you? Then consider how generous God has been with each one of us. When we celebrate Holy Communion, we hear that scripture of generosity that says, but God proves his love for us that while we were yet sinners, God died for us. Can we love like this? The answer is yes, but not without God's help. Here's the thing. It would be pastoral malpractice for me to tell you to love each other, to be patient, to be kind, to be forgiving, if I did not invite you into a relationship with the source of all of this grace. It would be like me telling you to write a check without making a deposit. If you did this, you would soon experience being overdrawn, wouldn't you? Overdrawn in relationships, overdrawn in uh, our heart with insufficient love. The Apostle John says, God showed us how much he loved us by sending his only son into the world that we might have eternal life through him. 
This is real love. It's not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son a sacrifice to take away our sin. So when we receive God's love, love that has, God has deposited for the world in the person of Jesus, when we receive this love, we'll then begin experiencing what it means to be blessed in our giving. To experience that we are blessed in our giving is to know that we are loved. It's to live knowing we are loved. And when we live this way, living gratefully and giving generously, it'll be second nature to us. So having considered the importance of receiving before we can give, let's look at the scripture again. The Apostle Paul is setting expectations for those elders of Ephesus who will serve the church after he's gone. There are three parts to this message. In verse 28, the instruction to feed the church, spiritual formation. In verses 29 through 31, he warns them about various dangers facing the church. He's teaching them the true doctrine of God. And finally, in verse 33 through 35, he teaches them not to be greedy for personal gain, but to know that it is more blessed to give than to receive. Harvard University followed 800 people over the course of many decades. They discovered six things that allow people to live longer and live happier lives. And most of these things just make practical sense. Avoid smoking and alcohol. A good education. Happy childhood. Healthy relationships. Establishing good coping skills. And these all make a lot of sense physically and mentally and emotionally. But the sixth thing went deeper. It went to our spirit or to our soul. The sixth thing is generativity. Generativity is giving back. The study showed that generative men and women at age 50 were three to six times likely to be among the happy and well group in old age as opposed to the sad and sick group in old age. The study found that when these persons reached their 70s, they would experience it as a decade of joy and not a decade of despair. Now, Paul didn't have this study to go by when he was talking to the elders of Ephesus, but how he framed his teaching is significant. Paul said his whole farewell address in the context of God's grace, God's freely forgiving love. He says, and now I commend to you, to God and to the message of his grace, a message that is able to build you up to give you an inheritance among all who are sanctified. Hear that now. Living knowing that we are loved builds us up and gives us confidence for a hopeful future. He's telling us that this is how we come to the life we, we want to live. Paul comes to the end of his farewell sermon by offering himself as an example. He tells the elders he hasn't coveted wealth or possessions. That he has worked in order to supply the weak, making sure they had the basic necessities of life. And then the Apostle Paul embraces the promise of joy of living gratefully and giving generously by saying to the elders, don't forget what Jesus said. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Now here's the thing. Both receiving and giving at times can be difficult. It takes courage to become vulnerable to receive. And it takes strength to think we have something to offer to give. 
A faithful United Methodist pastor died, and he meets God in heaven. And God says, my son, you did such an outstanding and faithful job as a pastor. I'm going to grant you one wish. Anything you want to happen on earth to this man. The pastor says, well, you know I was once a missionary to South America, so I've often thought that if there was a physical bridge from the United States to South America where people could drive across it back and forth, that we would learn more about each other, appreciate each other, uh, know what each other's needs are to help with one another. And God says, a bridge to South America. Well, when you consider how long the bridge will need to be, all the steel it would take to reinforce the bridge because of the wind and the weather, God says, I think this is just physically impossible. Do you have another wish? The Methodist pastor was surprised, by the way, that God said this was impossible. But the pastor said, okay. When I was pastor of churches, I had a devil of the time during stewardship season. Could you make the United Methodists more generous and even make some of them tithers? God thinks for this. How many lanes did you want that bridge? Two or four? <laughs> now, receiving and giving not quite that far. And to be sure, United Methodists are faithful in giving, faithful in generosity. In fact, we're doing something today that churches our size just do not do often. We're going to pack 20,000 meals to rise against hunger. That's because of your generosity. But the hard work of receiving does require us to be in touch with a generous God. It does ask us to become vulnerable enough to receive divine love and human love. It does ask us to be humble enough to know that the joy of our salvation comes from living knowing that we are loved people. And the giving, that's the overflow of us knowing that we are loved. God who gave us a beautiful world, God who gave us one another, God who gave his son for the world for each one of us. This is what we're called to. Giving is in our spiritual DNA. Our lay leadership committee has already been asking persons to give, to serve in places of leadership, on committees, in ministries, and with missions. And soon we're going to have the opportunity to prayerfully consider our financial pledge for 2019. The Apostle Paul said, In all of this I've given you an example, that by such work we must support the weak, remembering the words of our Lord Jesus, who said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. So, when after much prayer, maybe you have conversation with your spouse. Maybe you have conversation with your children. Teaching them what it is to be faithful givers. Maybe teenagers, you have a conversation with your parents. You see, making a financial pledge to one's church family is God inviting us to an adventure in faith. It's God inviting us to a life of living, knowing that we are loved. And this, my friends, is the beginning of being blessed as we give. Let us pray. Gracious and generous God, you gave your only beloved Son so that we might receive salvation. 
compassion in Christ, you have given us salvation that we might live gratefully and give generously. So, Holy Spirit, we pray for one more thing. We pray that you give us both humility and strength to live our lives knowing that we are deeply loved. I offer this prayer in the name of Christ. He who reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God now and forevermore. And all of God's good people said together.